substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Podcast number 48 of The Outsiders brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Today, we're focusing on the Calgary Flames, and the reason for that is... Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. No, no, it's not going to be that. It's going to be this. Hold on to your lug nuts. It's time for an overhaul. Yeah, the Jolly Rancher, Daryl Sutter, is making a reappearance in Calgary as the, the guy behind the bench. And we're going to be chatting with Derek Wills, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames from Sportsnet 960, the fan, coming up in a few moments or so. Okay. When I read this on Friday, I was just trying to absorb all of the Walter Gretzky news. So when this news came down about an hour later, I thought, what is going on? This can't be right. This can't. But it was Pat Steinberg who had put the news out. And mm-hmm. Pat is about as great a reporter as there is. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm going, I, this can't be right. This can't be right. Well, do you remember your reaction when you saw the news? Yeah, I, well, I, I saw it coming. It just surprised me that it came after a 7-3 to three win. Um, which, clearly, indica- which indicates it had been done earlier, right? Yeah, it was, it was done or in the works. And, uh, you know, out goes Jeff Ward. Uh, in comes Daryl Sutter, the Jolly Rancher, and I tell you what, it's going to have an impact here in Alberta, uh, first with the Flames and the Oilers, but also uh, in the North Division. This Calgary, to me, is a better team than what we've seen, and if we see that team, things are going to get interesting on top of that division. But I see the Calgary Flames the way I've seen the Edmonton Oilers a lot lately, and that is... Are they good enough? Are they missing a few key elements? They've stuck with the base of their group for a long, long time. You and I both know from what we have seen from Daryl Sutter, he's got a certain kind of player that he likes to roll with. And I think to myself, mm-hmm. is Sean Monahan going to be one of those guys? Is Johnny Goudreau going to be one of those guys? I bet you Sam Bennett's going to be one of those guys. So you start taking a look at that lineup and thinking to yourself, is he being brought in to get this team into the playoffs? Probably. But I'll bet you more than anything, there's going to be some big-time changes coming here. And I'm not convinced before the trade deadline because of the quarantine rules that we are seeing. But this is going to be an interesting few weeks, Robin. Well, it's interesting. And I'm looking forward to talking to uh, Derek about this. But it's funny, from the game here against the Oilers the other night, the first thing that I noticed, and I I tweeted it out, it was... Look at Johnny Goudreau back check like he's in contention for the Selkie. I uh, I had to laugh. He was down below his own goal line, hacking and chopping away. And that's one of those guys yeah. that you and I look at and go, is he going to fit with, with the new old coach? And that's going to have to be played out here pretty soon. Obviously, we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. The uh, other news was the passing of Walter Gretzky here in the past week. 
uh, you know, we I heard the rumblings. I'm sure you had too. Wayne Wayne even had mentioned on the Saturday at his dad's memorial service how his dad had not been well for 21 days after a hip injury, and things just escalated from there. And we yeah. start to hear those rumbles that Wally's not in great shape, but it's still a shock. And everybody's got a Walter Gretzky story. I'm sure you do, right? I know I do. I think anybody who's been around a hockey rink in the last uh, 30 or 40 years does. You know, all I can say is this, uh, uh, you know, Walter Gretzky, when I, I called him several times years and years ago when I'd be doing features for, for the Edmonton Journal. And I, I'd, uh, I'd phone, and I think I mentioned this to you, Bryn, just what I remember, uh, Walter Gretzky wouldn't know me from a, if he was standing next to me in an elevator, frankly, because at that point it was all on the phone. And I remember calling him Mr. Gretzky, Mr. Gretzky, and he just said, call me Walter. It's like, it's the epitome of what he was. Um, people call him Canada's hockey dad. He was just a genuinely uh, nice man, a humble man. And he gave me more time than some reporter he'd never heard of from out at the Edmonton Journal deserved. And I always, uh, I always appreciated that. And the story for me, back in 2008, I was working at Team 1260, which is now TSN 1260. And uh, Walter came into the studio, I believe it was with Jim Taylor. They were uh, promoting a book. And uh, Walter had about an hour and a half to kill before going from the radio side of the building over to the television side of the building. So he kind of hung out and he went through our radio station and he gave everybody in the station, right from the ladies up front to the salespeople in the sales pit to anybody who was a technological, you know, one of our producers upstairs, he gave everybody the time of day, which I was so impressed by. I was just, here's a guy who just, and he was genuinely interested in talking to people. I never, yeah. I've never asked for an interview. In fact, I was thinking about this over the weekend. I've got four or five interviews, no, not interviews, but uh, autographs. And all four of them, I never asked for them. They were offered to me. The, my mm -hmm. very first autograph was given to me by Jean Beliveau when I was like, I think about five or six, and I still have it. But mm -hmm. anyway, so Walter's coming through the building, and he took a picture. Now, people can't see this, but I'm showing it to you. There's a picture yeah. of Walter, myself, and my co-host, Jake Daniels, from Team 1260. And Walter, uh, somebody gave us, uh, it was Bill McGee, one of the sales guys. I'll give Bill a credit for this. He gave me this picture. He says, here, I just took this and printed it off on the printer. And uh, so Walter says, would you like me to sign that? What am I going to say? <laughs> Absolutely, Walter. I'd be delighted. So he signed it to Bryn, best always, Walter Gretzky. And there's the picture of the three of us. And now, I so I put it in the frame, and then I put it somewhere safe in, like, one of those banker's boxes. You've, we've all seen them. And yep. I hadn't seen it until last Friday when I was cleaning out the garage. And it was, and I, oh, there's a bunch of my office stuff. I better go through those boxes. First box I open up, first thing I see, the picture of Walter. I went, oh, that, that was a great day. I remember it. Mm -hmm. Everybody felt so great. And then later that night I heard about Walter and it was just too weird, too eerie. And but all it did was it just reminded me that I'm gonna get I gotta get that picture out of that box and I gotta get that up on the wall as fast as I can because it means so much to me. So he had those kind of experiences with everybody. 
Like we heard so many of those. Everybody's got a Walter story, and I love that. Well, yeah, like I say, my until you know, I bumped into him in person from time to time, but it was usually a crowd for me. Like I said, I'd call uh, Wayne's mom. Phyllis would answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it's uh, Robin Brownlee from the Edmonton Journal. Colleen is Mister Gretz, I, and again, Mister. I was in my I was in my thirties at that point. I was no kid, but it was is Mister Gretz, you know. Um, and that, and that call me Walter. And like I say, all the time he gave, and I was working on a feature. I remember it would have been, you know, who was the greatest player ever, Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux? Ooh, well, that's, that's he, a tough one, huh? And I, <laughs> I asked Walter about that and he, he, he smiled and he, but he, you know, and laughed a little bit. He says, well, I don't know if I'm sort of uh, very objective on this, Robin, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to answer. And of course uh, he tended to lean to the, uh, to the skinny kid uh, with 99 on his back, but very gracious uh, all the time. Like I say, gave me way more time than a fairly young uh, new beat guy on the Oilers beat deserved. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, so Godspeed, Walter Gretzky. Yep. And condolences to the entire Gretzky family. I thought Wayne was outstanding in his eulogy, but that's yeah. uh, that's Wayne. You can see where Wayne got it from. As we've, uh, It's funny that this term has come up around the house here about four times in the last month, and it's come from the 14-year-old in the house where the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I'm thinking, where did you learn that? But uh, <laughs> there couldn't be a more classic example from Walter to Wayne to Keith to the entire family. So obviously... Yeah. Uh, so our condolences go out to everybody there. Okay, let's let's take a deep breath and uh, let's uh, get ready to talk a little about the Calgary Flames and what is going on there. Later on in the show, we'll talk about what's going on in Buffalo because that's that's even a bigger disaster area. I don't know what's going to happen there, but we'll talk about that off the back of the show. But up next, the voice on the radio of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. You know, when you're replacing a legendary voice in the broadcast booth, we saw it here with Jack Michaels replacing Rod Phillips, who was with the team for so many years. It is not easy to get into the psyche of the sports fan and to replace somebody. I, I guess you don't truly, really replace them, but you you have to set a new you have to set a new course of action. Same thing in Calgary. Peter Marr, hockey hall of famer. I love Pete, great guy. You get a guy like Derek Wills coming in and setting his own tone and his own pace. And he joins us on The Outsiders today. Willsey, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's uh, before we talk about what's going on with the team, let's talk about how it's gone for you. This is, isn't like it just happened. You've been, uh, you've been covering this team now for quite some time. How's it going for you? Yeah, it's hard to believe. I'm in my seventh season now, and, and you're right. It's, I think it's impossible to replace somebody like Peter Marr or Rod Phillips. All I tried to do was was come in and be myself and you know the bottom line is uh, there are people who will never like me because I'm not Peter Marr and that's something that I've just got to be okay with uh, and and hopefully 20 30 years down the road people will feel the same way about me but you know it's it's been a wild ride uh, I didn't expect the flames to be very good when I got to Calgary 
and they went to the second round of the playoffs in 2015. And since then, uh, a lot of ups and downs, and, and this season has been just that, lots of ups and downs. So um, you kind of get used to it, but you, you always want more. Hey, let's go back a little bit. Where were you before? You were in Niagara Falls, were you not? Or where were you before well, you got this gig? Yeah, before I came to uh, Calgary, I was in Hamilton for 13 years. Okay. So uh, tie into the Oilers, I, I'll share a secret with you guys. I grew up a diehard Oilers fan in Ontario. We can, cut, we can cut this out. No, no. I, I, I've told people this story before. I, I told uh, the late Ken King when I interviewed for the Flames play-by-play job that I grew up an Oilers fan. And one of his vice presidents, Rolly Sears, stood up and said, okay, thanks for coming in. <laughs> Thankfully, they hired me anyway. But no, I was the voice of the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, amongst other things. I think my title at the end was Senior Director of Broadcasting Communications and Team Services slash play-by-play announcer. But we were the Oilers affiliate for a couple of years. And, you know, I go back uh, to 2001, 2002, my first season in the AHL. It was also Jeff Ward's first season in the AHL. He was the assistant coach to Claude Julian on a, a really good Hamilton Bulldogs team. And he was also my road roommate. So last week was tough for me. I've known Jeff for 20 years. He taught me a lot about uh, hockey. He taught me a lot about being a professional because I was as green as could be in my first year in the AHL. I probably didn't belong, but you know, he helped me get through it and a uh, ton of respect for him. So last week was tough seeing uh, a really good man and a really good coach lose his job. You know, Derek, it's it's amazing. And I, I end up saying this a lot on our podcast. Time flies. Um, so you've made the walk of death in the catwalk at Cox Coliseum. <laughs> and uh, and you, talk about, you talk about Jeff Ward. Um, they had me cover the Edmonton Roadrunners in the lockout year when uh, Jeff was the head coach, uh, Joe Patterson and Kelly Buckberger were the uh, assistant coaches. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Hamilton was always a lot of fun, but seven years or uh, all that time there now, seven years with the Flames. Interesting. You come in after a guy like Peter, you got to plot your own course. I remember Jack Michaels coming in here after Rod. and Rod was a good friend who I traveled with on the plane for many years you different guy different uh, call um you make your own way in this business when you're behind a mic don't you you have to i mean if if you try to be somebody who you're not i feel like you're going to fail and you know for a long time in the american hockey league and it's probably the biggest reason why it took me 13 years to get to the national hockey league i probably tried too hard to be rick jenneret you know i grew up 40 minutes from buffalo and i was never a sabers fan but i would go to bed and i would you know, quietly put the radio on in the background and I would listen to Rick Jenneret, who is still one of my favorite play-by-play guys ever. And, you know, he brought such passion to the airwaves and he's one of the big reasons why I wanted to become a play-by-play announcer, but I probably tried too hard to be him for a long time. And, you know, what was a wake-up call for me? I, I think you guys know I applied for the Oilers job uh, when Rod retired and I got an interview but didn't get it, which was really disappointing And growing up an Oilers fan. But it really kind of hit me when the Montreal Canadiens switched radio stations and I was basically told by the team that I was the guy and the summer went along and I'm thinking, what's taking so long here? Uh, And I didn't get the job. And when I met with TSN afterwards, I was told that uh, I was too over the top. So at that point, I knew to get to the NHL, I probably had to, to change my goal call. It was tough because I tried to do it. But fans in Hamilton were so used to me screaming and yelling, they wondered what was wrong with me when I wasn't as excited calling Bulldogs games. But 
you know, the opportunity you know, came up in Calgary. I didn't even think about applying for the job. Another interesting tie-in with the Oilers. Um, I haven't become friends with a lot of players over the years, but one of the guys I did become friends with was Zach Stortini. So his wife, Desiree, texted my now ex-wife, but wife at the time, Jen, and said, hey, the, the Flames job is open. Derek should apply. And my wife encouraged me to do it. And I thought, you know what? I'm really happy here in Hamilton. The Bulldogs owner treats me like gold. We just built a house. I, I don't know if I want to move across the country. I don't even know anybody there. I don't have any ins with that organization. So anyway, she talked me into applying and, and the job that I didn't think I would get is the job that I ended up getting. So you, you've just got to be yourself. And I've tried to do that. And you know, everybody wants me to come up with a, a catchphrase, whether it be uh, you can put it in the wind column or, or yeah, baby. And uh-huh. you know, I guess the, the sea of red rises would be my one. But I, I think those have to just come naturally as well and come organically. So maybe sooner or later, I'll come up with one of those great catchphrases that Peter Marr had, but it, it hasn't happened yet. And I can't do the the impression like Ryan Leslie does, but uh, you do get to work with a guy named Peter Labardius, <laughs> yeah. who's like an encyclopedia, and uh, the broadcasts just sound great. It's so much fun uh, seeing you two guys uh, work well like that together. Yeah, he is an encyclopedia, and uh, you won't meet a, a prouder Canadian or or someone who loves the game of hockey more than Peter Labardius, and you know, he's got uh, an incredible memory, which is great because I don't. But he can remember what happened in a minor hockey game in Estevan, Saskatchewan 30 years ago. And I have a hard time remembering what I had for, for lunch yesterday. So, you know, he's been a really good partner. And we've had great chemistry on the air, you know, going back to day one. And, and you know, some guys work together for decades and never develop that chemistry. So Lou and I, we're lucky we've had that since the get-go. And, and yeah, I really enjoy working with him. Derek, uh, let's sort of steer into what's happening in Calgary now. But uh, from the from the the Jeff Ward end, because you go back a ways with him, uh, I have a lot of respect for Jeff Ward. Of course, being in the Oilers organization, I remember when he got away. I kind of thought, hmm, that's a guy they could probably use down the road. But there was no real opening for him then. Um, we know the wins and losses, but how much can you take us behind the curtain? What went wrong with Jeff Ward in Calgary? Why why didn't he get enough out of that team? To be honest with you, Robin, I'm not sure anything went wrong with Jeff Ward in Calgary. I think this is more about the players. I'm sorry. This team has had five head coaches in the last six seasons. You know, at some point, you've got to point the finger at the players because this core group's been together for a long time and they haven't got it done. They've had like I said, five head coaches, and they've had different types of head coaches, guys. So when I first got here, Bob Hartley was the head coach. Hard-nosed guy. That didn't work. Well, it worked for a while, and then it stopped working. And then they brought in Glenn Gullitson, who, as you guys know, unbelievable guy, players coach. Kind of the opposite of Bob Hartley. That didn't work. So then they bring in Bill Peters, who's more like Hartley. Hard-nosed guy. That worked for a while. They had a great 2018-2019 season. And then it stopped working early in 2019, 2020. And then everybody knows about what happened with Akeem Alou and, and that went south. So then they bring in Jeff Ward, who saved last season for them, you could argue. I mean, what people, I think, lose sight of, fellas, is that, and, and I'm not sure if it's like this at Edmonton and all the Canadian markets, but in Calgary, I feel like there's more heat on the team this season than there's ever been. What's ironic is, you know, people weren't happy with the way the Flames started last season but they weren't losing their minds. 
and 26 games in the last season, the Flames had the same record they have 26 games into this season, 11, 12, and 3. Exactly the same record, 26 games in. And last season, they made the coaching change, not necessarily because they wanted to, but because they had to, and it worked. You know, Jeff helped get the Flames to the playoffs for the second straight year, and I think did an unbelievable job handling what was a very difficult situation with, with what was going on with Bill Peters and you know, trying to make a coaching change in the middle of November. It wasn't easy, but he did a, an unbelievable job on and off the ice. So I don't think this is a Jeff Ward problem. And I really think that if we weren't in the middle, hopefully getting closer to the end of a global pandemic, Brad Treleving would have probably tried to make a trade or two yeah. before making a coaching change. But you don't necessarily want to trade with one of the other six teams inside of your division because you're fighting with them for a playoff spot. And if you make a trade with somebody outside of your division, you've got to wait 14 days to get the player into your lineup. And with the, the position the Flames are in, they simply don't have that type of time to wait. Yeah. So uh, if there was one guy that they could bring in to potentially make uh, a big difference quickly, I think it's Daryl Sutter. So I'm fascinated to see how this goes. Hey, before we talk about the Jolly Rancher, let's let's go back. To, you touched on something there that is so true, and that is the higher level of anxiety with not only the fan base in Calgary, it's certainly in Edmonton. We're hearing about it in Vancouver, much all across the country, and that's because, you know, the teams are playing each other 10, 9 times during the season, and if you lose a couple of games in a row, well, look at the – it was a tough one for the Flames last night. They did rally back to grab a point, but they would have liked two because the Edmonton Oilers are going to play Ottawa three times, and I'm not saying those are going to be easy, but the Oilers have done quite well against Ottawa. So it just seems like everybody now is watching so closely, and on any given night when you're watching Edmonton and Ottawa playing, you don't want any of those teams to win. It's just it seems like it's uh, everybody's a little more panicky this year. You, that's a great point. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think uh, part of it's the, the fact that we're kind of stuck at home right now, you know, with this yeah. pandemic hopefully coming to an end sometime soon with the role of the vaccination. But it's taking longer in Canada than it is in the United States. And hopefully we can speed that up some way somehow. But, you know, people are stuck at home and, and really leaning on hockey right now as an escape from the real world. So I think that's part of it. The other part of it is the Scotia North Division. You know, this is a one-off season where there's seven Canadian teams playing each other inside of the same division nine or ten times. And and I think all the focus, uh, as far as the media is concerned, is on the division. I don't, I don't know how many times you guys have watched games outside of the division. I only do it when I can't watch a game inside of the division, right? So everybody's so focused on on the seven Canadian teams this season. And it's been fun, but I think it's it's increased the pressure on on everybody inside of the seven markets. I mean, look at Montreal. They start the season 7-1-2. and two, And you can't convince me that 10 games into the season, Claude Julien wasn't the leading candidate for the Jack Adams Award. He would have got my vote. And then eight games later, he's fired. Yeah, they, they fired three coaches with the Canadians in the last couple of weeks. So it's not just in, in Calgary and in Edmonton. It's in Montreal. Uh, Ottawa, I think they get a bit of a pass because they're early in a rebuild. Uh, Vancouver, certainly. There's been lots of talk about managers and coaches. Uh, Winnipeg's had a pretty good season, so we haven't heard a ton from that market uh, and Toronto has been the best team in the division and, and everybody seems to be happy there unless they lose one and then the sky is falling. So yeah, it's been a weird season. It's been fun in ways, but it's, it's been tough in other ways. Well, Derek, the thing that's, I mean, when we talk about the scheduling this season and I quite like it, I would like it more with fans in the building, but 
I like the baseball style. I don't know about three or four in a row, but if you can play a couple and save some wear and tear on the old uh, uh, body and on the jet fuel, that that's good. But, you know, when the Flames came here, I thought, oh, shit, they are the Oilers are going to face a revved up hockey team uh, because if Daryl coming back, even though he wasn't there, doesn't get this team going, then there's just no getting them going. And sure enough, in the first few minutes of that game, the Flames were uh, all over them. And I thought, man, the Oilers are going to get blown out here. Didn't work out that way. But six games left, I think it is, with the Flames and the Oilers. The Battle of Alberta, it's had some bite in it lately. But I think there's a whole much... um, much more bite to come with Daryl because you play hockey his way or you don't play. Um, I think the intensity uh, gets ratcheted up the whole rest of the season. Don't you? I think it has to. And I think one of the jobs of a manager and a coach is to eliminate excuses for a player. I think by hiring Daryl Sutter, Brad Treleving is eliminating the last possible excuse for this core group of players. They've had all kinds of different head coaches, five of them in six years, different types of coaches. So I think it's going to be my way or the highway with Daryl. I really do. And that goes for everybody, not just third and fourth line forwards or or third pairing defensemen. I think he goes for the entire roster. And ideally, he gets them going, kind of like he did with the Kings when he took that team over back in 2012, won a couple of Stanley Cups there. And and he has a way to, to push buttons you didn't even know you had. And I can't wait to see how these players respond to that. And, you know, even though he hasn't taken over behind the bench yet, I, I think he's certainly left an impression with these players via what we're doing right now, a Zoom meeting. He's talked to the other coaches. He's talked to his players. And he's let them know what he expects. And Matthew Kachuk, I think, is a great example of a player who has responded the right way. I thought he had a great game against the Oilers. Thought he had a great game against the Senators. Neither one of those games led to a Flames win. But, you know, here's a player who has been up and down like a yo-yo this season. You know, sometimes he's in the middle of everything. Other times you, you hardly notice him. And Matthew Kachuk has to be, as Glenn Gullitson used to say, in the fabric of the game to be effective. And he has been in the last couple of games. But, you know, I'm anxious to see how guys like Johnny Gaudreau and, and Sean Monahan and Sam Bennett respond to having Daryl Sutter as their head coach. He arrives in Calgary today. He'll run his first practice with the Flames tomorrow. He'll be behind the bench for the first time. Daryl Sutter 2.0 uh, against the Canadians on uh, Thursday night. It's going to be an interesting week here in Calgary, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what changes he makes to the lines, to the pairings, and, and to the system. You know, there was a lot of talk here in Calgary about, well, the Flames system sucks, and I didn't buy that because there, there's not a big difference in the system that the 31 teams play. You can make minor tweaks here and there. Ultimately, it's about work ethic and it's about execution. And if if you work hard and you execute, then you're going to give yourself a chance to win regardless of what system you're playing in. But I, I do think he'll probably make some tweaks to the system. We'll see if he makes some tweaks to the lines and the pairings. And, and we'll see what that results in for the Flames. But they're going to probably have to play, I don't know, 650 hockey from now until the end of the season to get into the playoffs. So. Yeah. Uh, the Flames are hoping he's going to have an immediate impact and, and he'll have to. Hey, tell us a little bit about the evolution of how this whole thing came to be because as I was said off the top of our show today, I was so absorbed in the Walter Gretzky news and I see this tweet from Pat Steinberg 
late on the Friday night. And I'm going, is that like a hacker account? Like, I mean, Pat wouldn't yeah. put that out unless it was absolutely true. And then, of course, then it started, the news started to come in and it just kind of blew me away. But obviously, they've been talking for a while. It also came after a win, not a loss. So the team, obviously, I don't know if they knew going into that game that there was a change coming, but obviously, the change had happened before then. Yeah, I think they knew before the game and they were just trying to figure out when to make the announcement. And it wouldn't have mattered if the Flames won or they lost, but it might be the first time in NHL history that a coach has been fired following a four-goal win. So just to pull the curtain back a little bit, so at the end of every broadcast, uh, Pat Steinberg will turn it over to Peter Labardius and then to me for our final thoughts of the game. So Lou gave his final thoughts. I was about halfway through my final thoughts. And then I look over at, at Pat and Peter, and, and their heads are buried in their phones. And guys, if you could have seen the look on their faces, like I knew something was up, and I knew it was serious big so the first thing that went through my mind was did we say something on the air that we shouldn't have like are we in trouble here because the look on their faces like kind of led me to believe that and then as soon as i stumbled through the rest of my final thoughts because i was trying to figure out what they were thinking about uh pat said we got to go to break we got to go to break so that i knew something was up and then we went to break pat told me what what he was being told the team hadn't made the announcement yet, but someone had given him a heads up. Yeah. And, and we kind of stalled for a bit, came back from break. Uh, Lou and I stuck around for a little while and yeah, Pat made the announcement on the air and uh, then the team put out the press release and yeah, it was, it was so unexpected that the timing was so strange, right? After a seven, three win, but clearly once you've decided to make that change, you've got to make it. You can't wait for the team's next loss. And I think timing wise guys, it worked out really well for the flames. So Daryl had some stuff to wrap up at the farm. So he's watched the last couple of games from there. He'll drive into Calgary today, meet with the coaches, and then they can come up with a plan. And they'll practice tomorrow and Wednesday. So they've got two practice days leading into their, their first game as a new coaching staff. And, and finding time to practice this season oh, in a yeah. condensed schedule has been really tough. So the fact that they have a day for the coaches to get together and then two days to, to get to the players uh, talk to them off the ice, show them some video, work with them on the ice, make whatever tweaks you're going to do to the systems and to the lineup. I think it works out pretty well timing-wise for the Flames. And uh, uh, I can't wait to get to Thursday night to see how they play against the Canadians. Derek, uh, Daryl Sutter doesn't need the money. Uh, he doesn't need the aggravation. Uh, what is it that brings him back? I mean... Is it the three-year deal that he's not just being brought in as a sort of a one-year, let's change it up guy in that carousel you've referred to? Yeah. He's got a chance to, to stay for three years, coaching job being what it is. What brought him back? Well, he said he's got some unfinished business, which I, I love that quote because you think about 2004 and the Flames were very close to winning their second Stanley Cup. Uh, didn't happen. And they've kind of been spinning their tires ever since then. Uh, so he feels like he's got unfinished business. Uh, talked about wanting to win a Stanley Cup for the ownership group here in Calgary. And this Flames team intrigues him. He, he sees a lot of untapped potential. So I, I'm really anxious to see if he can push the right buttons. He's always been able to do it. So we'll see if he can do it again with this Flames team. But you know, I think he is a, a man who loves the game, who loves to coach the game but was only going to come back 
uh, for one of two jobs. And he told us this when we met with him last week via Zoom. He said he would come back for the Blackhawks job or the Flames job. And it, it works out that uh, the Flames wanted to make a change, needed to make a change. And, you know, Brad Treleving, I think, had uh, contacted him potentially last summer when he was deciding which direction to go in as far as whether or not to remove the interim tag from, from Jeff Ward's title. And, and the timing wasn't right then, but the, the timing is right now. So and I think Daryl sees a team that hasn't reached its potential and feels like you know, he's the right guy to, to help the Flames get there. So we'll see. You know, again, when you've had five different head coaches in six years and, and the Flames haven't achieved what they want to achieve under any of them, I'm somewhat skeptical, but I also think, and, and the more I've kind of thought through this over the last number of days, the more I think that if there's one guy who can do it, it's Daryl Sutter. So we'll see. It's funny that you mentioned Sam Bennett because it was the first name to come to my mind because we know what uh, Kachuk will do, and he will just elevate his game even higher. A little concerned about J- whether Johnny Goodrow and Sean Monahan are are – Sutter kind of guys, but we'll find out. I I think that uh, they've elevated their play a little bit here. But what about Sam Bennett? It's just been a it's been a shit show of a season for him, and of course the talk of wanting a trade to get out. But I, I see him being a Daryl Sutter guy, so he's going to yeah. get another shot here. Uh, I do too, and so does the general manager. And I I don't know the exact quote, but paraphrasing, Brad Treleving said something along the lines of. You know, this could be a match made in heaven. When I look at the coach and what he likes in a player, and I look at the player and what he can give us when he's at his best, it, I, I see it the same way. Sam Bennett is such an interesting story because he's the highest pick in the history of the franchise, taken fourth overall back in 2014, had a really good rookie season, 18 goals, 36 points, playing on the left side of a line with Michael Backlund and Michael Froelich. The next summer, the Flames draft Matthew Kachuk who basically steals Sam Bennett's spot on that line and has immediate success playing with two players in Backlund and Froelich, who, you know, at that time really brought the best out of their line mates. So for the most part, Sam has been a bottom six forward since then. And, you know, I really do see it from both sides, guys, because I see it from Sam's side. He's the highest pick in the history of the franchise. But for some reason, his leash has been way shorter than most high picks leash are. Um, that's poor grammar, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. At his best, Sam Bennett is a beast. He's got all the tools. And we see that Sam Bennett every single season in the playoffs. You know, all four trips to the Stanley Cup playoffs, he's been one of the team's best players. The last two trips, you know, five games against the Avalanche two years ago, four games against the Jets, six games against the Stars last season, he was their best skater. No question about it. Maybe their best player but we don't see playoff Sam Bennett in the regular season. I've talked to him about it. I think it's impossible to play the way he plays in the playoffs for 56 games or for 82 games, but he's had a hard time finding that happy medium between being that wrecking ball that impacts every game and just being a guy. So I think he's had a short leash, which I don't necessarily understand with him being the fourth overall pick Mm -hmm. back in 2014. But I also understand from from the perspective of management and coaches, they're frustrated because they see this one guy in the playoffs and and they hardly ever see that guy during the regular season. So I do see it from both sides. If there's anybody who can push the right buttons with Sam to find that happy medium, it's probably Daryl Sutter. 
if it doesn't work with Daryl, I, I don't think Sam's going to be a, a long-term member of the Calgary Flames. I, I'd be surprised at this point if he was with the team to start next season. But uh, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. We'll have to see how it plays out. But, you know, for me, if you had to leave uh, a forward unprotected for the expansion draft right now, he would probably be the guy. And if I'm the Seattle Kraken, and, and I see this guy who was a former fourth overall pick and who has played at an extremely high level in all four trips to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think I'd roll the dice on somebody like that. Uh, it would have been a, a Vegas Golden Knights type of pick. You know, they took all kinds of those guys and worked out pretty well for them in the expansion draft, didn't it? I'll say. Derek, how far away is this team in terms of personnel? There's good players there, but from being able to play and able and willing to play the kind of hockey Daryl's going to want to play, it's a screwy year because of quarantine with any trades and that sort of thing. How much time assessing before Daryl puts his stamp on this club and says, we're not going to get anywhere with these guys. I need this, I need that, and I need the next thing. Well, talking about Sam Bennett's short leash, I think this entire team is going to be on a short leash. They, they simply don't have any time. Yeah. I mean, they're already on the outside looking in. They don't have time to you know, stick their toe in the water. They've got to dive in here. And, yeah. and I think Daryl Sutter is going to come in, and he might give this group a couple of games. And if, if guys aren't playing the way that he wants them to, the way he needs them to, I think he's going to at least take away some ice time, maybe some special teams time. If not, sit them up in the press box. Not actually in the press box this season. Normally they'd be eating popcorn beside us, but uh, I'm sure they're hiding in some room inside of Scotiabank Saddledome right now. But I just don't think that he has the time to wait this season. You don't bring in Daryl Sutter if you're not going to try to salvage your season. You're not doing this because you're, you're planning to rebuild or to retool. Brad Treleving made this move to salvage this 2021 season. So if the Flames are going to do that, they're going to have to do it very quickly. They, they just, they don't have any time because they put themselves behind the eight ball. They're playing in a division. I would have said two, three weeks ago with five other good teams, but after watching the Senators five times in the last 11 days, they are not the two 12 and one team that we saw to start the season. Correct. They've got a lot of good young talent. They work extremely hard under DJ Smith. They don't have the experience that the other six teams in this division do, but that that's a good hockey team over there. So yeah, they just don't have any time to wait. Um, I guess you could say the Canadians are in the same boat, even though they're on the inside. Uh, they're in the top four in the North division right now. So now these next two games between the flames and the Canadians, uh, I think are going to go a long way to determining who's going to be in and who's going to be out to come the middle of May. You brought up something very interesting. You're kind of uh, breaking down Sam Bennett and talking about, great playoff performer you know couldn't couldn't bring that same intensity through all the games during the season when the Edmonton Oilers went after and got Milan Lucic I had a pro scout tell me you're gonna love this guy you're not gonna love him for the first 50 games you're gonna love him for the last 30 and you're gonna love him in the playoffs and now so here we have this situation and I I believe that I have seen an elevation in Milan's play just since this announcement and I think there's a guy who's really going to, uh, I think he's going to really develop even further with uh, with the change in coaching. Are you seeing that in the first two games out of Milan? Well, I got to be honest with you guys, and Oilers fans might not want to hear this. He has been one of the Flames' most consistent players all season. 
he's never going to to live up to the, his contract. That, that's just the bottom line. You know, you could say the same thing about James Neal. Now, those are big numbers, and and at this point in time in their careers, they're just not six million plus players. But Milan Lucic is a guy who works extremely hard. And when I think about his last three seasons, so in his last season with the Oilers, he had I think six goals in seventy nine games. In his first season with the Flames, he had eight goals in 68 games off the top of my head. He's already got six goals in 26 games this season. He, he is a north-south straight-line player who is willing to do what a lot of Flames players haven't been willing to do on a consistent basis this season, and that's get pucks in, go after them on the forecheck, go to the hard areas, make life difficult for your opponent. He's not a great skater but he has an incredibly high hockey IQ. He's got a lot of experience, so he can get to where he needs to go a little bit quicker because of those things, but he has been terrific. And, you know, we had him on our post-game show last week following a 5-1 loss to the Senators. And I love talking to Luch, and, and I, he was my pregame interview before yesterday's game against the Senators as well. You know, at this point of his career, he's not going to pull any punches. He's honest. And, and he talked about Jeff Ward not being the problem. The system's not the problem. The coaches are not the problem. The players are the problem. You have to, to at least match the work ethic of your opponent, if not outwork them. And you have to, to be willing to, to do the hard things. And, and, and you have to find some fun in doing those hard things. So I think Milan Lucic is 100% uh, a Daryl Sutter type. Scored 20-plus goals under Sutter as a member of the Kings in the one season they were together in Los Angeles. So yeah, I wouldn't say Lucic has elevated his game in the last couple of games since the announcement has been made. I think he's maintained what has been, you know, for, for him, a high level of play this season. He's been, again, for an inconsistent team, he's been one of the most consistent guys. You know, it's interesting, Derek. I, I look at, when I look at that roster, I see a team that's, again, games played on ice, not on paper, but that on paper is better. Uh, than than where it's at the trick is going to be obviously for daryl get this team into the playoffs into that top four in, in this alignment because some of that personnel looks like it could be very effective in the playoffs you talk about lucic kachuk um maybe uh, you know a guy like bennett if he's here there's some there's some players in that lineup but you got to get to the postseason first you do, and it's not going to be easy this season. Uh, the Flames and the Oilers would have been way better off in the old Pacific Division, don't you think? Huh. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Kings have been better than we thought they were going to be, but the Ducks and the Sharks and the Coyotes, not great. Uh, this is a tough division. You've got at least six good teams in this division, and the Senators, have, as we've talked about, are better than they were when they started 2-12-1, and one. so yeah. you got to get there. This is a, a team that shouldn't be below 500. So we'll see if, if Sutter can push the right buttons. Do they have holes? Yeah. I think most teams in this division have holes. The Flames' biggest hole would be on right wing. Their best right winger is their number one center, Elias Lindholm. Other than that, they don't have a lot of right shot forwards. They brought in two guys in free agency, in Josh Levo and Dominic Simal, who they hoped would play a top six role. They haven't. Andrew Majapani has, has been able to move from the left side to the right side and play a top six role effectively. Sam Bennett hasn't been able to do it consistently. And, and the guys they brought in in free agency haven't been able to do it consistently. So really, they're, 
in a way, stuck between a rock and a hard place with Lindholm. They want to play him at center. He's their best center. He's a legitimate number one center in the league. But he's also their best right winger, which is their thinnest position. So we'll see what Sutter does with those guys. Hey, before you go here, a big uh, big signing during the offseason, goaltender, and we have Markstrom in there. Been a little banged up this year. How's he doing going down the stretch? Are you okay? Going to be okay? Going to be all right there? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. All right. Yeah. Uh, so how's he uh, How's he going to hold up here down the stretch? Good question. He's uh, <clears throat> he's played in the last couple games and played well. If I had to pick an MVP this season, he'd be the guy. He's their first legitimate number one goaltender since Mika Kiprasov. And a guy who gives his team a chance to win, I wouldn't say every game, guys, because he gave up five goals in a couple games against the Canucks and the Oilers. But looking back, I wonder if he was banged up. So in that game against the Canucks, he came out to play the puck and got run over by Tanner Pearson. Mm -hmm. Finished that game until he got pulled and then played the next game against the Oilers, got pulled again. And then he was out with an upper body injury. Missed five games, served as David Riddick's backup for for one before coming back in and playing the last two. But, you know, he's, uh, he's an excellent goaltender. He's been their best player this season, so... I think they're going to have to find a happy medium playing him and David Riddick, who's played well now that he's getting some games, but uh, a guy who'll give him a chance to win every night. But ultimately, I don't think it matters who's in net. Can Markstrom steal some games? Yeah. But if the forwards and defensemen don't play the right way in front of either goaltender, this team's not going to get to where it wants to go. Right. So I, I think they relied too heavily on Jacob Markstrom to start the season. And he covered up a lot of their mistakes. They can't do that anymore. Derek, uh, <clears throat> probably a bit of a grenade from me uh, now, but so I'll, I'll phrase it as, as diplomatically as I can. Um, if this doesn't work under Sutter, uh, how many more coaching moves does Brad Treleving have before uh, he becomes one of the changes? It's a great question, and it's one that I've asked myself, you know, a couple times in the last couple of years, to be honest. I think Brad's put a good team together here. I really do. What the Flames don't have is a Connor McDavid or a Leon Dreisaitl, but they've got a good team, a deep team, a balanced team. All four forward lines, all three defense pairings, two goaltenders who were both all-stars last season. It, it, it will be interesting to see what happens between now and the draft. If this team doesn't make the playoffs, I am convinced that Bradshaw Leving will make changes to the core. I'm not sure that in this market you can rebuild, but I think you can get away with a retool. And we've seen some teams retool. The Blackhawks are retooling. Having a pretty darn good season, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you can use them as an example. The Rangers were a, probably a better example last season than they would be this season. But I just don't think the Flames can get away with a full-blown rebuild at this point. And I don't think that Brad Treleving would be given an opportunity to, to do that again. So Daryl Sutter signed a three-year contract. So Brad Treleving, I think, needs him to work, needs him to be the right head coach for this team. And, and we'll see. Only time will tell. You know, Daryl's 62 years old. He's, he's had a lot of success in this league. The, the one interesting thing, guys, and, and, you know, when I first started in the American Hockey League, Claude Julian was the head coach. And. Jeff Ward was the assistant coach with the Hamilton Bulldogs. And 
one thing that Claude taught me, and I've I've lived by it ever since. Don't question the coaches, because we know more than you do, and it's true. Coaches know more than I do. Managers know more than I do. So I have a hard time questioning their decisions. I, I'm not the hot take type. You know, if, if I didn't have to offer an opinion, I would prefer just to call the hockey games. But over the last 20 years calling pro hockey games, I've learned a lot from those managers and coaches and players and scouts and, and fellow members of the media. I, I've learned a lot. So I, I feel like I, I've got a good grasp of the game and uh, I still have a hard time questioning managers and coaches. I, I, just, I just don't like to do it. Of course, you wonder about some of their decisions, and and they all make mistakes. And and Brad Treleving's made some mistakes. Uh, you could say that he's made some mistakes with the players that he's brought in, with the coaches that he's brought in. But I still think he's done a a good job building a good team here. And and now ultimately, it's up to Daryl Sutter to to get the most out of this group. Do I think they should compete for a Stanley Cup? No, I don't think they're that good. I I think they probably need to add at least one top six right winger to even be in that conversation. But I do think that he's put a team together that should certainly be a playoff team. Uh, now it's up to the players. The, the, the excuses are gone. They've had five head coaches in six years. If they don't respond the right way to Daryl Sutter, I think you're going to see some major changes with this team before the start of next season. All I know is this, make the postseason, get a hot goaltender. You can, you have the possibility of winning. Winning it 100%. all. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, just... and look at look at this division. What have the Maple Leafs done in the playoffs recently? Like, I don't think you guys would argue me. They're the best team in the division right now. Correct. There's no question about it for me. But until they prove that they can be that team in the playoffs, I think this division is is up for grabs. If you get in, you've got a chance to get to the third round. And, and Frederick Anderson is a good goaltender. But I would argue that Connor Hellebuck and Jacob Markstrom, and when he's right, Carey Price are better goaltenders. So, like you said, if you get a hot goaltender, I think you've got a chance. And and I don't see a lot of difference between the middle five teams in this division. The Senators are playing a lot better, but they're still pretty early in a rebuild, and I don't think they're ready to compete yet. The Maple Leafs, I think, are the most talented team in the division. I'm not saying they're unbeatable, because they're not. But I look at the the five teams in the middle, and I don't see a big difference between any of them. I really don't. I think any of them, if they went head-to-head in the playoffs – could go seven games and it could go either way. So if you get to the playoffs, you've certainly got a chance to win one round and, and maybe two. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about this division, isn't it, guys? Oh, yeah. That's, that's like I said, just get a hot goaltender. 2006 here with Dwayne Rollison is a classic example. Now, granted, they put some nice pieces together at the trade deadline to help the team. But if you don't have that hot goaltender, it's just not going to happen. Hey, listen, we're out of time. We, uh, we're sorry we haven't got a hold of you sooner. So uh, this has been a blast for us. Yeah, I had a ton of fun, guys. I love chatting hockey. It's, it's kind of fun not to do it on the radio and to do it in a medium like this where you can uh, drop a four-letter bomb if you want to and, and just be honest. But, yep. yeah, a lot of fun chat with you guys. Uh, I've always enjoyed your work and, and look forward to listening to this. Yeah, Derek, uh, nice to have you on. And you are in for some uh, interesting times in Calgary <laughs> the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm not sure he's the most media-friendly head coach, but that's okay. As long as he finds a way to, to push the right buttons with his Flames team and, and they can start winning more hockey games. As you guys know, when you're covering a team day in, day out, it's just more fun when that team is, is winning hockey games because 
everybody's in a better mood. You, you do build relationships with managers and coaches, and, and for me, to a lesser extent, players. So you want to see those people have success. And uh, you know what I'm hoping for, fellas? I think it's a good way to wrap up our conversation. I'm hoping for the first Stanley Cup playoff series between the Flames and the Oilers since 1991. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? That's, what, that's when the Battle of Alberta restarts. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's been good, but that would be great. All right. Hey, Derek, thanks for your time today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right, there you go. That's Derek Wills, the play-by-play radio voice of the Calgary Flames on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And refreshingly honest and blunt, I would have to say, Robin. Yeah, absolutely. We lobbed him a couple of questions that could be dicey. Um, he answered them uh, honestly. Uh, and as we talked about, Bryn, uh, Daryl Sutter's got a three-year deal. Things are going to change down the road in Calgary uh, for better or for worse, but they're not going to sit still down there. So worth keeping an eye on. Let's uh, let's also briefly talk about what's going on with the Buffalo Sabres. Everything they have done there has not worked. And, you know, you can talk about the fact, and some fans talk about the fact, well, how would the Oilers be if they didn't have Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl? Well, the Buffalo Sabres have got some talent there, but it just isn't working in a market that is very typically Canadian, not your typical American market, a fan base there is very passionate about their Sabres. Some of their fan base even comes across the border for every home game. It's the only place right now that's singing both anthems before the start of the game. But what's going on in Buffalo? What's your take? Well, you know what? It's really been a mess there for a long time. This is a franchise that's floundered uh not that we should talk too loudly here in Edmonton, but for a long time. And, you know, when you're bad, you, you know, you get a shot at a Jack Eichel and you expect, uh, as people have uh, here with uh, Connor McDavid and certainly with Leon Dreisaitl, although not the fanfare uh, with Dreisaitl when he came into the league that a guy like McDavid or a guy like Jack Eichel gets, but man, when things don't uh, head north and you don't see immediate improvements when you're bad enough to get players like that, um, it's trouble. And they're not getting anywhere. They are running in place, if not uh, losing ground. And that does not fly in a hockey town like Buffalo um, year after year after year without some changes. So they need to get a grip, and it may be too late to even do that this year. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure, Brent. I don't know what management is thinking there, but it's a bad hockey club going nowhere fast right now. And here's the thing, and we probably just saw this with the Flames, and uh, Derek certainly addressed it. They've got this uh, base of players, but Ralph, I, I just, I don't know. Obviously, the coach is probably going to go first. Generally, that's yes. how it tends to work, but. Uh, there's just some key missing ingredient in Buffalo and I can't quite put my finger on it, but they should be better than they are. And it isn't working out for them. And they've got some big time guys being paid big time dough who are not delivering big time. I wonder if Ralph gets a, uh, a Skype call anytime soon. If Yikes. things don't change. Yeah. We're going down the, you know what? I still defend the Skype call. Cause why would you send a guy? Is it better than a phone call? 
It's not Craig McTavish who let him go by Skype. So Ralph is over in Switzerland. Craig McTavish is in Edmonton. How else would you do it? Like, would you fly well, the guy all the way over? Would you fly all the way over to Switzerland to to let a coach go? I mean, Skype is there for a reason, as is Zoom. I, I'll go back a few years and get this in just because I can't help myself. <laughs> okay. I don't have... I don't have a ton of problem with Skype because sometimes it's going to make sense. Look at the world we live in now. My problem with the call uh, that Craig McTavish made uh, to Ralph Kruger was that it came because he became enamored with Dallas Akins. And I don't know how, and I don't know what, why, but it seemed like a real quick courtship period and kaboom, Mac T was knocked on his butt by whatever he saw in Dallas Akins and he let Ralph go. Hindsight, I know, but when we talk about a coaching carousel, if you think Dallas Akins did a better job here than Ralph Kruger could have done, uh, I got some waterfront property for you oh we're gonna rip that band-aid off are we this this one uh let's not even go down the dallas road uh okay uh before we go here we do have to remind everybody that the outsiders is brought to you by obviously brent mcintosh and the mcintosh group at remax river city they have uh, got a promotion going right now for sellers they they absolutely have been blown away by how successful this has been obviously they provide professional photography they do the 360-degree tours. They do a video and floor plans of all of their listings. But this coming soon thing that they've done has really worked beyond belief. What they're doing is they start marketing the listing 7 to 10 days before doing any showings and before it really goes up on the market. The idea was to create some extra excitement out there in the new properties that were coming on board, and it has worked great. And the biggest result is that – there's more showings in less time, and they're now seeing a higher sale price as well. And they're also getting multiple offers on homes. So it's really worked great for Brent. If you'd like some more information, give him a shout. He'd love to hear from you. you got to tell him that that uh, we here at The Outsiders sent you. And uh, and so just reach out to them at the Macintosh Group. The phone number is real simple. It's 780-464-0075. Or you can check them out online at macintoshgroup.ca. One of the things that we have not mentioned on this episode is that on this particular day, which is International Women's Day, Robin, we are, uh, we are sending out two episodes. The episode that will come out a little bit later after this one will be uh, a special replay edition. We've talked to two wonderful women in particular that we enjoyed uh, the conversation with, Tara Sloan from Sportsnet, Cami Granado from the Seattle Kraken. So we, uh, we're going to be replaying those interviews, uh, and uh, that's going to be a salute from us for International Women's Day. But uh, that's coming up. And, uh, Robin, that's it for today pretty much. Outstanding, I think. You know, oh, my, my dog is snoring. I'm going to have to take care of that dog right now. Jax, just relax over there, will you? <laughs> just relax. I'll be right there. I think he's ready for lunch. Uh, Robin, thanks. We'll talk to you next week, okay? You sure will, pal. Talk to you then. All right. Sit, Jax. Sit. Hi, guy, boy. Have fun storming the castle.